Welcome to Different from the Other Kids, a weekly talk show for parents of challenging children. With your host, Angela Sunis, author of the Amazon best-selling book, Different from the Other Kids. Each week, Angela will interview an individual or professional within the mental health community. Different from the Other Kids. Season 2, production of Marketing Maven Agency. So please welcome Dr. Nyla Jawani. Hello, Dr. Nyla. How are you doing? Very well, thank you. Good. Just want to have a conversation with you today. Uh, Your clinic has been introduced to me. I've been having great success with it. Uh, My daughter has been introduced to your clinic. It is a holistic clinic of all different kinds and all different disciplines, and you are able to refer over to all those disciplines as you uh, need to for people's care, which is a a unique and wonderful way to go about looking after people's wellness. wanted to talk to you today, if we could, about naturopathy generally, and a little more specifically about something that I have just learned about this year that I think might be of interest to our parents, uh, as well as the Uh, natural end of things going towards that uh, way of um, treating some of our uh, children that may present a little bit differently mentally. Um, But there was uh, something called infusion therapy. Infusion therapy was introduced to me as a result of uh, a conversation I had with somebody over the thought that people with uh, different kinds of mental illness may have more than anything a deficit of vitamins, specific vitamins that not, that infusion therapy can help with. So that's where the conversation's going, but I wanted to start, if I may, with um, asking you just generally, how did you become a naturopath as opposed to a regular traditional clinician? That's a very good question. <laughs> <laughs> One I get asked actually quite often, and... I guess it all started with my mother, who uh, grew up very ill, um, having asthmatic condition overall, but very weak lungs from childhood. And so as we grew up, we saw her on one medication after another, um, and then, you know, side effects would occur in terms of the meds. She'd get a rash, and then she'd have to put a cream on for the rash. And then, you know, she was on several different conventional medications to treat her thyroid and her lungs. And in seeing that, it wasn't something that we actually grew up doing ourselves. We we were actually quite healthy, my sister and I. But being from a, my parents are from East Africa, my grandparents from India, we grew up using more natural remedies. So, you know, when we had a cold, my mother would give us turmeric, honey, and lemon and warm water. And that's sort of how we dealt with ailments. And so we saw her suffering and sort of taking a drug to counteract a side effect of another drug. So it was actually my sister who, we both wanted to become doctors, um, my sister more so, and started to look into many different schools and found out there was a naturopathic college in Toronto. And I grew up out west um, in Richmond, B.C. And so uh, she left for school and, um, of course, I became her guinea pig Uh, in the summer, so she'd come back as she went into naturopathic medicine, which was a four-year program. So this was after she did her Bachelor of Science at UBC. And so um, I guess I just followed suit, learning the industry and myself at that time. Now there's actually a naturopathic college in British Columbia. 
Um, but at that time, there was one in Seattle, one in uh, Ontario. So I also came out after I was done my uh, first degree at UBC. So it was more, I guess, the knowledge of looking at the root cause rather than just suppressing symptoms, which which really came to light as we saw my mom. And, and it's funny because now my sister and I both try and tell my parents to, you know, you always give your parents advice. They don't always follow it, but mm-hmm. they're getting better. And um, funny enough, my mom was here this winter and they saw how we ate and her lungs were actually very good once she followed the plan. Of course, the weather out in Ontario is too cold for her. So that obviously there's an environmental factor as well. But um, I would say that sort of sort of started my path in terms of looking into the natural side of things. And, and I love this profession. It's, it's amazing. As a general, for anybody who doesn't know a lot about uh, a naturopathic doctor, what generally do you do for people? So the difference, I would say, um, and maybe we shouldn't talk about difference first, is um, the philosophy in naturopathic medicine is to treat the underlying cause of any condition or ailment. Um, And generally, our first initial appointment would be an hour long. Now, in a naturopathic consultation, we usually will do a full workup in terms of past medical history, family history, and then all the under you know concerns that they're coming in with. Um, we will try and do either a complaint-oriented physical exam or a full physical exam, and then we sort of delve into other, you know, even if we can, we try and get into the emotional aspect of what someone's feeling as well. So we do have a bit of counseling. Our modalities that we use typically would be um, nutritional therapy, vitamins and minerals. We learn a lot about Western botanical medicine, which are your herbal remedies. In school, we also learn traditional Chinese medicine. So we do, we are trained to perform acupuncture as well. And then certain naturopaths will go on and do other other modalities, separate licenses. Um, and that's how I got into intravenous therapy or nutrient infusion. So you need to have a separate license to perform that, that treatment. But I always tell my patients, we have a toolbox of tools, so we just have to figure out what's best for the person. Obviously, if I have a child who may be eight years old, I'm not going to stick needles in them. You know, it's, it's something where we delve more into what they're eating on a daily basis, uh, and we ask the parents about temperament, um, what their daily habits are. So the idea is not just treating the underlying root, but also teaching and educating about lifestyle because ideally I, I find my patients come to me and we try and clear the concerns but then there's a lot of education that we do so they are my patients for life in a sense of we may I always tell them you know it's my old logo actually used to be a butterfly and part of that logo was you know we go through this naturopathic metamorphosis that was my kind of train of thought in that each stage of life we need different nutrients. We need, um, you know, through whether it's from being a fetus to when you're a toddler, from going into teenage years, um, and then as we women are getting pregnant or, you know, men are aging, we go into menopause, men go into andropause. So at each stage of life, we require different support. And so for me, again, it's not just, you know, you have a rash, let's just fix the rash. It's okay, now that things are clear, how can we get you to optimal health? Now, I am confident that you have had parents come to you with some kids uh, that may present as having some challenges uh, with their mental health. 
without getting into specifics, of course, can you give me a general of how you would approach those families? It's, it's, and it's great that mental health awareness is really coming to the forefront, especially in the last few years. But yes, in my last 12 years of practice, we've seen many parents where either they've been given the diagnosis or they're still in that preliminary stage, um, whether it be ADD, ADHD, autism, bipolar, schizophrenia. When it comes to, and I can only speak for myself, but from a naturopathic perspective, right across the board actually, not just with mental health, I tend not to treat by the label. It's there and, and it's important for us to have from a conventional perspective for sure. And I think now and ideally we, we definitely are moving towards working as a team approach because I think it's important for a child or a young adult who has a mental health health disorder or disease have the conventional doctor there as well as a naturopathic doctor and a wellness counselor and what have you. Um, but I will usually start right off the bat by assessing, I think what maybe the medical doctors don't have the time to mm. do. So we will look at overall nutritional intake to the point of not just, you know, how much protein are you eating, how much carbohydrates, how much fats but also what foods are more beneficial for that individual. Um, looking at food allergies or intolerances. You know, allergies get thrown out around a lot and, and not a lot of people have anaphylactic allergies, although we're seeing an increase in schools. And you have to wonder about what's causing that because I know when I went to school, there might have been one case of a peanut allergy. Now that was a long time ago, but um, I, I think the idea is looking at are there just foods that maybe don't sit well in the system? And most people think an intolerance or an allergy could cause something more digestive. So we always think gastrointestinally involved. But we find that, you know, a lot of these children or young adults that come in with maybe a diagnosis of ADD, ADHD, depression, anxiety, they might be eating something that could be very healthy that just causes their nervous system to maybe become upregulated or maybe doesn't allow them to get as that deep quality sleep that's necessary to function the next day. And especially if it's consistent, it will really make an impact through their years through school. So it's one item sometimes that can be throwing off the entire system that can actually be proliferating, if that's a good word, um, what these kids are experiencing. I didn't know it could be one thing. I always thought it was going to be a series of uh, missteps as far as diet was concerned. And I would say it could be one thing, and sometimes it's a major mm. category. And then there is the case where you have maybe someone that's intolerant to a few things, so it almost becomes dose-dependent. They can get away with eating a little bit of, let's say, dairy, for example. They can have an, a milk here and there or a little ice cream every now and then. But then you find when you look at the person's diet, maybe they're getting that food in different forms more often through the day. So all of a sudden it's creating all this inflammation in the body. And that's when we see, or, you know, sugar, as we all know, is a big thing. We talk about it with cancer uh, patients and, you know, people that are immunosuppressed. Now we're trying to educate, and, and a lot of people are becoming educated on reading labels, that there are a lot of hidden sugars. And so sometimes these disease processes can be fed by certain things that we're eating, like sugar. You know, I would say overall... Um, we know some big triggers. A lot of people talk about wheat and dairy and sugar being another one, obviously. But um, it can be something as simple as 
again, a preservative or MSG or sulfites. Yeah, I was just going to ask you about chemicals. Yes, and that's something that I think is really important to look at because, again, I know myself even, you know, I can eat really well at home, but when I go out for dinner, I don't always feel well. Well, it turns out that I have an, a sensitivity to MSG. And the problem with some preservatives and chemicals and labels, you know, they're they're written many different ways. So mm -hmm. you can, you know, a restaurant can claim that they are MSG free or, and we're not just talking about MSG, but, you know, a lot of these dyes and, and colored drinks and, um, you know, red dye number one and all of that can be hidden or can be labeled. I know Canada is trying to do a good job with labeling on products. So that can really aggravate the system. Mm -hmm. And you'll see that after a birthday party, for example, a child who <laughs> will go crazy after cupcakes and, and icing. It definitely has an impact on the system. Okay. If I might, I know that we didn't talk about asking you this question, but I think it, we're wandering towards it. One of the things that I have gone through recently that I found fascinating, I know from going online that it is a contentious issue, is live blood cell analysis. After we had a consultation, we talked about uh, nutrition. Uh, one of the things that we coordinated for my health was to go and get a live blood cell analysis. It's way cool. You get a drop of blood out of your finger, you put it on a slide, and you have a nutritionist who is a specialist in doing that, whatever it is that it's called. What's it called? Uh, live blood microscopy. Thank yes. you. Um, and they actually will go through and show you what your blood is doing, how it's absorbing, um, whether there's bacteria in it, whether there's parasites. Um, can give you a whole host of information. Can you, and I, I believe it's totally legit, whatever prescription it is that you came up with as a result of that test and actually having the interview with me has been life-altering for me. Even in a short period of time, I think I'm in uh, going into six weeks now is my guess. Talk to me just a little bit about the live blood cell analysis and what your thoughts are on it, on the relevance of it. So um, that's a perfect word. It is a contentious topic. <laughs> and I have to actually give a bit of background because with naturopathic doctors, the idea is, and again, I should speak more for because I can't speak for every other naturopathic doctor, but for me, whenever I meet a patient, it's all about information gathering. So what they tell me subjectively is obviously very important, and we and we write that down. What I find on physical examination is very important. So we can pick up on certain deficiencies. You know, for example, everybody knows if you see white spots on the nails or ridges, you know, you, you're maybe looking at zinc deficiencies. Or if you see a very pale conjunctiva, which is sort of that pale part when you pull your lid down, that could lead to maybe allow you to think there might be an iron deficiency. I will often do questionnaires. I will have people write out their diet for seven days. I always make sure that we have blood work that has been done in the last year or so with the medical doctor because the idea is we want to look for potentially, maybe nothing maybe nothing is flagged, but there might be high normals or low normals that maybe we want to address. In saying that, certain... What does normal mean to those tests? Correct. So okay. that's the perfect, and we see that a lot with thyroid issues, and I think I'm, I'm straying a little bit. No, here. that's okay. I'm coming back. That's okay. Um, sometimes normal for, uh, you know, the range could be very large. Um, for example, when we look at thyroid, the TSH usually is between 0.36 to 4.6 or 5 for each lab. You know, it varies. Um, yet, 
both endocrinologists and naturopathic doctors will want that TSH to be between 1 and 2 or 0.5 and 1.5. And so you see a lot of not just women, men, children, where their levels are maybe above 3 but are normal yet still present with symptoms of low thyroid. Mm-hmm. Um, Anemia is, is, is very similar, right? Very, Just went through that my own self. That's right. And that's actually a very important one because, uh, and they have decreased the value of uh, ferritin, which is your iron stores. It used to be, I believe, 10 to 300. Now we're seeing 10 to 150. So it's a shift. However, adequate amounts are between 50 and 80. Yet you see young girls at 12 And again, they're normal because they're falling within the range. Yet they may be, you know, maybe they have heavy periods or they're feeling fatigued. And fatigue is a big one in our society because, I don't know, maybe we're we're very stressed as a society. You know, there's a lot of, with younger adults, there's a lot of technology involved. You know, there's a lot of gaming. Um, Mm -hmm. So how many hours are we getting out with fresh air and exercise versus sitting on the couch? But back, so the testing aspect You know, blood work is very important to look at. We have, as part of our tools, many different testing that we will offer because, again, it's just looking at the body in a different way. So live blood microscopy would be one of those, or live, where you're looking at a sample. So it's, you know, we're just looking at a sample of the blood, which really is kind of the same thing as when you're drawing blood from, you know, for a for conventional purposes, we're looking at what's floating around. Now, the problem with conventional testing is they don't do, let's say, yeast within mm-hmm. the blood. However, we do run tests. They, they come from, uh, we used to run tests. We, they come from the United States where we would do something called comprehensive stool analysis, digestive stool analysis. And naturopaths still run that test because now we are to uh, order tests in Ontario. So there's a lab that we would go through. What I find is when it comes to naturopathic medicine, people, not all people have extended health coverage. So we're limited in funds, basically. And it's very important that the person be able to pay for a consult and at least a follow-up. So sometimes I feel the testing can be over their budget. And I have to always work with where the patient's at. So, you know, for example, we also do uh, electrodermal testing for food allergies, food intolerances. I still offer blood tests where we test for IgG and IgE food antibody testing, which Mm. is doing the test through blood, but you're looking at potentially a price of $350 or more. Um, So when I'm meeting with my patients, I have found that sometimes some of these tests overlap and we find the same information. So I will usually present what the options are and figure out from a cost perspective what they can do. Um, You know, we offer saliva hormone testing for both men and women. Uh, Again, those tests will start at, you know, $220 up to, depending on the panel that you pick, could be more. So I find that live blood analysis um, is something where we can look at the body again, from a sample, and often find, because it's usually done by in a fasted state, and, and we sometimes we'll find, let's say, protein uh, or fibrin molecules uh, that are present, which means that person may not be digesting very well. Um, and that can be very telling for somebody who maybe is not 
you know, maybe metabolism is an issue uh, or they're getting gassy and bloated. We can often see B12 deficiency because of the pattern of the red blood cell. And then again, we're looking at both the size of the red blood cell, how the white blood cells are moving. So it can tell us a bit about immunity. If we see a lot of bacteria, we can see, potentially say, you know what? something's percolating, perhaps you're going to get a cold in the next few days. And often that happens. By the time they have the test, they see that, they come to me because I might, there might be a gap of a day or two, and sure enough, they have a cold. And if I get to see them on the day of, it's great. So it's one way of looking at the body where we can see things like bacteria, yeast, sometimes parasites as well. And that is also another aspect where we can do that through stool analysis. And they do that, they offer it conventionally. The problem is usually that test is somewhat limited and there can be false negatives in that the test usually, and, and I remember learning from my technician is, uh, when we're looking for parasites, you know, and, and I remember hearing this when we were training when kids will have worms and stuff like that or they get pinworms. I remember doing a whole project actually on pinworms in school. Um, <laughs> You've always wanted to do this, haven't you? <laughs> Always. <laughs> That's uh, strange that I do a project on it now that I remember it. Big poster. Uh, that they would come out at nighttime. Yet, the stool analysis, most people will collect the sample in the morning. Mm. So it may not be as accurate. And it's not to say that uh, those tests are not, uh, they're all valid. And, and we do, we will use them if the doctor wants to run a stool analysis. I've had cases where somebody's gone to the Dominican, uh, you know, the little child sick, having diarrhea, and the stool analysis comes back that it's clear. And obviously this child has something going on. So we will treat based on how the patient presents, but these tests and live blood cell microscopy, I, I don't say is diagnostic, but it gives me another piece of the puzzle in that when I, I'm seeing different things like I see on, on physical exam, I will use it to create my treatment. Thank you, Dr. Jawani, for joining me today been very very insightful and i hope you'll join me back for another interview and um we'll see you on the other side parents don't forget to follow different from the other kids on facebook and twitter please review our podcast on itunes this will help us spread our message and reach all those who need some support thanks for all your support we'll see you next week different from the other kids season two production of Marketing Navy Agency. And now a disclaimer. In general, I, Angela Sunis, am not a doctor, and I certainly don't play one on the internet. I'm a parent, period. The advice from me presented on different from the other kids does not replace advice received directly from a medical health professional. If you think you need help, I do recommend making an appointment with your physician or other appropriate healthcare provider. Thanks for listening to Different from the Other Kids, made possible with the support of My Mind Fitness, the holistic approach to a fit and healthy mind. You can find them online at www.mymindfitness.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.